Hey neighbor, I appreciate you stopping by. It's a great evening tonight. Fall's in the air. Won't be long. It'll be Christmas time. But hey, pull up a chair. I'll run inside the house and get you a cup of joe. I'll be right back. Our nation and our world are in deep trouble. The cure for this deep trouble is for those of us who are devoted followers of Jesus Christ to make the main thing the main thing and get on with the preaching of the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Openly and unhindered, as the Apostle Paul modeled, even in the final years of his life when he was under house arrest for the cause of Christ and his kingdom. Some of us have never spoken of the kingdom of God. The Gospel of Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven to anyone. The focus on the kingdom of God that Jesus ushered in is spoken of throughout the New Testament. The prophet Isaiah said a predecessor would come who would be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer was the fulfillment of that prophecy who came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee in fulfillment of prophecy and from that time began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, while he walked this earth prior to his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, commanded his followers to preach as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. After his resurrection, he appeared to his followers over a period of 40 days, speaking of the kingdom of God. His followers, like a man named Philip, preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So the Bible is clear that Christians are to testify of the kingdom of God and try to convince people about Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's holy word, the Bible. But what in the world has happened? How has the earthly church so deviated from the main thing, producing a world in trouble? E. Stanley Jones, in his book, The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person, way back in 1972 was ringing the bell of warning, but very few people were listening. Jones, writing from the context of a visit to the USSR, when Russia was in the throes of a revolution instead of the church offering the kingdom of God on earth, a church council was debating the question of whether garments of a certain color should be used in a certain place in the church service, debating that when Russia was turning red. In Italy, the nation was not offered a universal kingdom, the kingdom of God, but a papal ecclesiastical system instead. So Italy made the state supreme, chose fascism, and brought the nation into defeat and collapse. Germany chose Nazism, making the race supreme. When the church offered a kingdom in heaven hereafter, it brought on its own ruin. When in the welter of conflicts, America arose supreme out of the chaos, we offered the American way of life instead of God's way of life, the kingdom of God, and are ending up plagued by our own racial, class, and economic conflicts with little to offer the world. The church is largely to blame because the church, instead of offering the kingdom of God, offered various conflicts, fundamentalist modernist, the social gospel, the individual gospel, racial integration, the secular church, long hair, short hair, beards and non-beards, the church building orgy, then vestments and candles and robes, conversion, abolition of poverty in the ghettos, every issue except the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God is missing in the magnificent and in the minute, then the key to meaning, goal, life redemption, and life fulfillment is missing. Life turns meaningless and sick, becomes a problem instead of a possibility. But if you have the key of the kingdom, you find it a master key. The key to life now and hereafter, life individual and collective. And that is important to the modern man. You have the key to relevancy in every situation. 
If you know the kingdom by experience, then you know what to do in every situation. Do the kingdom thing and you're relevant and you are attached to the relevant and you do the relevant thing. You are the center of relevancy. So for the church to be relevant, the answer is simple. Discover the kingdom. Surrender to the kingdom. Make the kingdom your life loyalty and your life program. Then in everything and everywhere, you will be relevant. For the kingdom of God is relevancy, ultimate and final relevancy. And when you have it and it has you, then you are relevancy itself. Without the kingdom, the church is irrelevant, except marginally. With the kingdom, the church is relevantly centrally and marginally. By its very nature, it is relevant. It doesn't have to try to be relevant by adopting little dabs of relevancy here and there. It is relevant when it it is self, for it is attached in loyalty and love to the relevant, the kingdom. Let me read that again. The church, it is relevant when it is itself, for it is attached in loyalty and love to the relevant, the kingdom. Take two illustrations of what happens when the kingdom is lost. The Christian church founded by the Apostle Thomas has existed in India since the first century. The evangelical portion of that church is alive and advancing. They have the largest Christian convention in the world, from 50 to 75,000. But many of the Christians had become communists. When I asked why, they replied, Christianity gives a social conscience, but no social program. So we are taking the communist program without its ideology and without its compulsions and tyrannies. I spoke to 35,000 men on Christianity and communism at the convention. The communist officials were there, many of them Christians. The atmosphere was electric, tense. I spoke for an hour, and they asked me questions for two. Two years later, I spoke to the same number of people in the same convention on the same subject. They gave a pin-drop silence, but the electric comeback had gone from the atmosphere. When I asked what had happened, they replied, The Christians have given up communism and have turned to the National Congress and to socialism because they said, We could not obey two totalitarianisms. Both communism and Christianity demand a total allegiance. So we decided to remain Christians, and we are shifting politically to socialism and Congress. Now note, the Christian turned to communism because they had no absolute allegiance to an absolute order, the kingdom of God. So they changed tentatively to communism. Then they returned tentatively to Christianity. They adopted the Congress and socialism as their medium of political expression, both of them sub-Christian and often in practice anti-Christian. But they had no alternative. They had lost the absolute of the kingdom of God. Hence, they turn to the relativism for guidance, half-lights. Take another example. In the World Conference of Missions in 1938, a time when fascism, Nazism, and communism were rising to ascendancy, and when the ecumenical movement was rising amid the Christian churches, the thought of the missionary conference and Madras began flowing toward the ecumenical church as the answer to those earthborn totalitarianisms. I pleaded that we make the kingdom of God our stand and thus match against these earthborn relativisms God's absolute, the kingdom. They preferred to make the ecumenical church their stand, to match against relativisms another relativism, the ecumenical church. Suppose I said, you go out and cry, repent for the ecumenical church is at hand. What would be the reaction? The people would laugh at you, as they do laugh when I suggest it to audiences. But you don't laugh when I say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is, if you have any sense, you don't laugh, you bend the knee. So the church having lost its absolute the kingdom of God, is now a welter of conflicting relativisms, all bidding for the church's attention and loyalty. So the church leaves a blur instead of a mark. When Paul could say, this one thing I do, the church says, these 40 things I dabble in. The church needs nothing so much as it needs a rediscovery of the absolute, 
the absolute of the kingdom that would bring life back into unity. Point it to new goals, individual and collective. Discover new power, the power of the Spirit, to move on those goals and give it nerve to face a hesitating and confused world with, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When I say that the church has lost the kingdom, I do not mean that it has totally lost the conception of the kingdom. It has it as a marginal concept, something you get into for security by the new birth now, something you will inherit hereafter as a reward in heaven, something you get at the second coming, something to which you point to as an ideal. These conceptions of a kingdom are generally dehydrated because they are marginal. They are the head-on and total answer to man's need, man's total need, individual and collective. In other words, we do not seek first, last, and always the kingdom of God as our way of life now, and we do not offer it to the world as our answer to the world's ills now. What we have lost is God's redemptive totalitarianism, the kingdom of God. That is the central sickness of our age. Until we find that all our endeavors are amelioration, what we have lost is God's redemptive totalitarianism, the kingdom of God. That is the central sickness of our age. Until we find that... All our endeavors for amelioration are a sprinkling of rose water on cancer. Not that we do not appreciate attempts at amelioration. We do. But if we substitute attempts at amelioration as a substitute for the kingdom of God, then it must come under the rose water condemnation. Amelioration means the act of making something better improvement. Let me read that last passage here again. What we have lost is God's redemptive totalitarianism, the kingdom of God. That is the essential sickness of our age. Until we find that, all our endeavors for amelioration, the act of making something better, are a sprinkling of rose water on a cancer. Not that we do not appreciate attempts at amelioration or making things better. We do. But if we substitute attempts at amelioration, the act of making something better, as a substitute for the kingdom of God, then it must come under the rose water condemnation. Dear friend, I do not have to remunerate to you all of the ills of our society and the condition of our world. You know these things firsthand. Jesus has made it clear through his scripture that our mission is to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand, to call people to repentance, and to call people, to encourage people, to beg people into a living relationship with the Lord and Savior, King Jesus. When we do this, our cities are changed, our country is changed, and our world is changed, and everyone's life is better. Jesus came, and I've said it over and over, that we might have life and have life abundantly. He wants our lives to have purpose, our lives to have meaning, our lives to have salvation, and our lives to have success. As we get back to the main thing, for some of us, we've never been focused on the main thing, but as all of us focus on the main thing and keeping the main thing the main thing, in the midst of all of this craziness that we're living through right now, we will be personally successful, we will be personally protected, and we will manifest obedience to the command of God to advance His kingdom and the message of His salvation. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Hey, you've been listening to Glock God Rocks, God the World and Other Things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I've been your host, Kenny Price. As always, be sure to check out the show notes for info on how you can email us, donate to help make this podcast possible, and all sorts of good info for your consumption. Man, if I can make the show notes scented, I'd make them give off the smoky oak goodness, the way it smells when I'm smoking a brisket. Anyway, until next time, make it a good one.